Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Stand with me if you would, please. Hold your Bibles up high. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Well, for those of you who have, were not here last week, I began a series on the pain or the pains in your life do not have to remain in your life. Uh, everybody has pain. Everybody in, in the world is going to experience pain. And I said categorically, there are quite a few different kinds of pain. First off, the most obvious is physical pain. Uh, it's one that we can oftentimes pinpoint, uh, specifically address, uh, we can tell a physician where we hurt, and that's the easy part. The most difficult part, and the part that I believe uh, that we're most challenged by, is what I call soul pain. You know, how do you know why you're not happy or you're sad, and, and you start trying to, well, I'm just not happy. Well, you have to go down a list and try to find what makes you unhappy. It's the pain of being unhappy, the pain of, of, of thoughts or feelings, emotions, your will seems to be... Uh, sideways, you have no desire to surrender your will to God's will, and, and you don't know why. And so trying to help people through that oftentimes is a, uh, uh, takes a lot longer than the doctor saying, oh, well, we're going to inject a steroid shot in your spine and, uh, you know, uh, one of your discs, and, and that might work, and oftentimes it does, and, and it's done. But it takes a while, if you have soul pain, to really know what it is, what's causing it, and how to address it. And so as a result of that, I decided to spend probably quite a few weeks going through this. And now, categorically, you have physical pain, mental, emotional, relational, vocational. Vocational pain is another problem we have in the world with 85% of the people polled saying they hate their jobs. So you call it professional, vocational, whatever. And so the challenge is you spend 40 hours a week doing something you hate, don't you think that's probably going to affect your mental pain, emotional pain, relational pain? The old saying, and if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy, so everybody's in pain, so blame it on mama. <laughs> you know I'm just kidding. I'm sure I'll get some kind of response to that. But the fact is, in our lives, we're all going to have moments of pain. And I say moments, emphasize moments, so that it doesn't become a lifestyle. So think about it this way. At least, let me start physically. With if you get, well, let me go back to when I was a kid, I, and I had, you know, we had lived on a lot of land, but around the house there was an acre that my dad wanted mowed. Now, how many of you know somehow a generation of people that are over fifty is an absolute miracle we're alive. Car seats? What's a car seat? We used to sleep on the ledge in the back window going 70. Baseball teams I played on in Little League, 
we loaded 20 kids in the back of a pickup truck with the tailgate down, dragging our feet going 40. Okay? So, <laughs> we're alive, baby. We drank out of water hoses. We didn't have bottled water. We had tough old hoses that were in the horse tank, and we drank out of it. We had lawnmowers that were not safe. <laughs> you could stick your whole body under it. Forget a foot. And so I recall having to mow, and I, I was intrigued. We had a lawn boy, and you, I mean, it took forever to mow a half acre with a lawn boy. It's about, you know, about a 22-inch cut. Now you can cut five feet, zero radius. I see people in little neighborhoods with zero radius. It takes them two minutes to mow their lawn. A five-foot cut on a zero radius in a track home. I love it. So one day I went out to start the lawn boy, pulled it, and, uh, you know, if you've never, some people don't even know what a spark plug is, but there's a thing that ignites whatever it is, your car, your lawn So I reached down, and, and Lawn Boy didn't have any protective cover. It was metal on the plug, and I reached down and touched it. My teeth chattered. Now, how many of you know I only did that one time because I'm not dumb? If you stick your hand in fire once, you're an idiot if you do it the second time. And let me emphasize idiot. I mean, we don't call dumb, dumb anymore and stupid, stupid, but we should because if you do it more than once, you're just dumb. I never touch that spark plug again, and I am older now. Why? Because of the pain. God doesn't cause the pain, but think about it. If you didn't feel the pain, you'd be stupid over and over and over again, destroying your body, destroying you. And, and so pain is not necessarily a bad thing when it points us in the right direction. And so I tell people, I say, there are just things you do one time. Now, there are other things that didn't hurt quite as bad, and you, you do them again and again because they don't hurt that bad. But when you experience extreme pain, it should get your attention. So rather than cursing the pain, learn from the pain. Very, very important that we do that. In Philippians chapter 3 Paul writes these words, and they're, they're pretty incredible. In verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Now, we like that, but then he goes on to say, and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. For some reason, Paul felt like he could better identify with Christ in pain or at least equally in pain, as well as in the power of his resurrection. So Paul wasn't saying, I'm praying, though he did say, Lord, if it be possible, he had a thorn in the flesh, take that thorn, and God said, my power is perfected in your weakness. So we don't know what that was. Theologians have debated for years what the thorn in the flesh was, but it caused enough pain to keep Paul reminded of who God was in his life. Now, I'm not advocating pain today, but in our world today, we do everything we can to medicate our pain. And sometimes you're medicating a symptom, and when you're medicating the symptom, you're actually feeding the cause because you're not addressing the cause. So a lot of people medicate emotionally, mentally, by getting high, getting drunk, and 
all those things. Yes, and again, I'm not judging anyone at all. That's not the point here. But the point is, if you're doing those things to cover up or mask what's really going on in you, the, the healing that you need will never happen. Because you're masking it. You're, you're covering it. Instead of saying, I want to know the cause. I want to go to the root cause of the pain I'm experiencing. And most of the time, if it's a soul pain, we don't want to because that typically means it's probably not somebody else's problem. It may be ours. Now, I'm not saying, you say, well, my parents were mean, my brother was mean, so-and-so was mean. I get that. But the reality is it's still up to us to be healed, not them. Whether you apologize to someone for what you did to them, if you did something to me, you say, I'm sorry, your apology is not what heals me. My choice to forgive and forget is what heals me. Your apology actually heals you. So a lot of people are waiting on somebody else to remedy their pain. If you just told me you're sorry, I'd feel better. Well, you need to feel better anyway. Matter of fact, get happy and it'll irritate them. Well, how can you? I never apologize. I don't need your apology to get over my pain. Now, it stung for a minute, but I had to process it. And I determined it's not worth it for me to stay angry or hurt or frustrated with you. It doesn't do me any good. As a matter of fact, it takes away from the quality of my life. So a lot of people today in the world are in pain, waiting on somebody else, in soul pain, waiting on somebody else to make their soul better, when in reality you have control of your soul. Paul says, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained it, all this, or have already been made perfect. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I press on. Don't lose your press. Don't lose your press. you got to keep moving forward. Now, I'm going to the next few weeks, I'm going to give you a, a heads up. I would give you an outline. I may at some point put this online. But th these are the things that I feel like address a lot of our pain. Number one, regret unresolved. That's the cause of pain. So if you will address your regret. Now, I've heard people say, I have no regrets. You're a liar. Amen. Everyone will have regrets in life. Now, it doesn't mean that they have to control you, but to act like you don't have regrets or telling me you don't have any regrets would tell me that you're perfect and everything you've ever done in life is perfect. I mean, it's and, and so as a result of not addressing the regrets you have or acknowledging them, you will live with the pain the rest of your life because you're lying to yourself. If you don't feel it, you can't heal it. So when you begin to feel that, you have to address that. And it may go on for a lifetime. There are times I just say, God, greater are you in me than the pain that's on me or the pain that's in me. So we have to address the risk. Second thing is anger unaddressed. Not regret unresolved, but anger unaddressed. So again... The anger in your life as a result of growing up in an angry atmosphere or whatever it might be, you've got to address that because the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. 
Now, there is a healthy anger that when you get mad at the devil, but you've you got to understand our anger toward others does not change others except for the worst. So anger that you have not addressed. And if I say that to somebody, I'm not angry. Really? Seems like it to me. And I've just committed the rest of my life to not get angry. Now, you might tick me off a little bit, but I ain't ever going anger on you. But, but you see what I'm saying? The Bible says, be angry, but do not sin. So there is this healthy anger that God puts in us to say it's a, it's a righteous indignation that says, I'm not going to allow myself to be influenced by external stimuli that will alter my joy and my peace. And I'm in a profession where somebody's always mad at me. I just post the, I post the Bible, and some guy yesterday talks about the message Bible on a post. I'm like, it's the Bible. It's a principle. How can you refute the Bible? What's well, the message Bible? All it's stating in the message Bible is making it clear to people like us. Stop with your stupidity and your theological knuckleheadness. Thinking it's just, a, I thought if I just post the Bible, what can anybody say? I'm thinking, talk to Jesus. I deleted it. If you're watching, don't do it again. It's just dumb. I, I watch arguments on Facebook like we, we get, see what I'm saying? You must be in some kind of pain if you're arguing with the Bible. And I used to, I, there was a pastor I had, he said, only the King James. And I thought, you can't even understand that. How can you preach it? Maybe if you have a couple of degrees in theology, but then you'd look and say, that's not even interpreted the way we understand it today. Third thing is beauty overlooked. Whether it's the beauty of life, the beauty of earth, the beauty of God, the beauty of grace, the beauty of mercy, <clears throat> that we get so caught up in the negative. How many know there are people who can find problems everywhere, but they never find answers? Why? Because they're not looking for them. They're only looking for problems because they were applauded as children for finding problems. Oh, I'm glad you noticed that. I'm glad. Don't get arrogant over your ability to find problems. Start looking for solutions. Somebody walks in a room, there's a light out. Yeah, but there are 10 other bulbs that are working. We, had, we got one out right up here. And I'm telling you, there are some AAA-type people going, when are they going to fix that? Probably never, because we're going to help you grow. Sometimes there are just things you need in your life to remind you that that one thing that you see is not the most important thing. You've overlooked the beauty of His holiness. And so you're living in pain, not because you're a bad person, but because your perspective in life is, is, is off kilter, out of kilter. I was talking to the men's breakfast yesterday. I said, you know, on, on our iPhones, you take a picture of somebody, and you, you know, like, I, Susan will take a picture, and she said, you can't send that out until I edit it. 
What she's saying is until we get rid of all our freaking wrinkles, <laughs> or mine, and we got to, and then we're going to whiten our teeth. Your teeth are as yellow as a banana in real life. And then you brush that white on there. We're looking like a doll. I'd hate to be dating today. You go and you try to meet somebody up, and you see their face, and go, who are you? <laughs> There's so much lying going on out there. What we're doing is we're editing it so you perceive me to be someone I'm not. And I look at that and I go, I really wish I still looked like that. In fact, I never looked that good. And that's what we do in our soul. Rather than changing it or addressing it or embracing it, we start editing our soul so that you see me in a way I want you to. But that's not really who I am. So I live in pain knowing I lied to you because you didn't even know me when you saw me in that restaurant. I mean, nowadays, they got every, every kind of filler from face to booty. You can imagine changing people. Feel the, I mean, they're filling everything up. Sorry, Jesse, I just said booty in church. Why should I apologize? Everybody's sitting on one. All right, now. You'll be back. We got our Christianese going, I'm done with Christianese. Nobody in the world understands it. It's our own Christian language. You know, what, what's he mean by that? <laughs> the next two, the reason we walk in pain is we have friends that we've undervalued. And we feel the pain of not being the friend that God's called us to be to other people. We're mean, we're unkind. I tell you, there are a lot of mean people in the world. I don't want to be one of them. And I don't want to be around them. I don't want to be around mean people. I love you. God loves you. You might even go to heaven, but you will not live in my neighborhood. Mine's going to be Happy Valley. Not Harper Valley. Happy Valley. And if you're under 50, you don't even know what Harper Valley is. Google it. And then go to the PTA meeting. All right, now. And then the fifth thing I'll talk about is God underestimated. We underestimate the power of God to deal with the pain we're in. Okay. Now let me start my sermon. That's a big old intro, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. If I was Methodist, I'd stop there. Praise Father, Son, and... Anyway. Don't get mad at me. <sighs> Trying to figure where I want to go from here. 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance. So you see sorrow, pain, suffering, whatever it might. Godly sorrow brings repentance. In other words... I really want to address the things in my life that are my undoing. 
So I'm going to repent from the bottom of my heart that leads to salvation. And it leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. When it says leaves no regret, in other words, the slate that God wipes clean, the devil continually comes back and tries to write on it. But when you repent, in that moment, God brings you the freedom to no longer be controlled by that regret or live under the shadow of it. However, the memory of that regret may be with you for a while. And sometimes I regret ever touching that spark plug. Now, I'm not controlled by it. I'm not afraid of spark plugs. But I have a new respect for them. And I regret touching it, but then a part of me goes, I learned something I wouldn't have learned had I not touched it. Now, y'all don't have to go touch one because you're going to live from my experience. Just trust me. If you touch one tip of that spark plug, you're probably going to look like Wile E. Coyote. When he encounters the roadrunner, I don't know if any of y'all, I'm, I'm really dating myself today, but I do look pretty good for 85. I decided at 100, I'll do a facelift. <laughs> that way, when I die, they're like, he sure looks good. That's the last words I want somebody to say, he looks so good. Anyway. We cannot change our past decisions and actions, but we must not allow them to take up residence in our soul. So this is why I talk about soul pain, that whenever we meditate on something from the past that caused us pain, the pain will remain. I, that's how come the Bible says to meditate on His Word day and night. Our meditations take over the majority of capacity in our soul. Uh, the only time our soul is going to be completely whole is the day that we go to be with Jesus. Because we live in a fallen world. Our soul is constantly under attack. The devil would much rather you live a long life with a miserable soul. His primary target is to get in here. Because we live from in here. Out of the abundance of our heart, is where we live, our thought life. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So the idea of the devil is he knows he can't stop you from going to heaven if you have repented of your sin and accepted Christ. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So he knows he can't interfere with that unless you're of a denomination that believes he can. <laughs> I'd hate to be a part of one of those. Well, last week I was going to heaven, but I'm pretty sure this week I'm going to hell. I grew up in one of those. It depended on what happened Monday through Friday as to whether or not you were going to really have a good experience on Sunday. I was good all week, praise the Lord. I'm going to heaven because I'm good. No, you're going to heaven because he's God and he sent his son to die for you, and that's it. The hard thing is experience 
experiencing the atmosphere of heaven on earth. That's what the devil's after, steal your joy. He steals your joy, steals your strength. You can't win. So you have to keep your joy. You have to keep your peace. And I know if you're a young mother, that's really a challenge. Because you've got kids that are constantly growing you up. You think you're helping them grow up? No, they're growing you up. You're having to learn patience and peace and how to stay joyful when they're writing on the walls. They stick a knife in your sofa. Well, ask yourself this question. How'd they get the knife? That'd be on you, sister. Mm-hmm. No condemnation. The only conquests which are permanent and leave no regrets are our conquests over ourselves. That's it. I think it was Nathan Hale that said, I only have one regret. I don't have what? Live more. What did he say? I've got to find this. It's in here somewhere. Oh, there it is. I only have one regret that I have one life to, to give for my country. One regret. I, I, wanna, I would say that for my Lord, for my Savior, not for my country. That I only have one life to live for Him. Because all along the way, my life is marked with mistakes. And guess what? I'm going to go out on a limb and say yours is too. Don't get mad at me. you got to stay happy. I know I'm causing some pain right now, but it's redemptive pain. The pain that you experience when someone tells you the truth about your life that you can change. You say, that was a painful comment that you made. But that comment may change your life forever. I used to tell people, man, I wish I had more time. I'd love to get with you. And then one time a friend of mine called me out on it. And he said, you know what, Mark? People always find the time to do things they really want to do. And I went, oops, that excuse is gone. Don't ever, so I don't ever tell people I'd love to see you unless I really mean it. I don't tell a lot of people I'd love to see them. <laughs> I just don't. My world is very small. And guess what? It's easier to live in a small world than to have a lot of goofy friends. <laughs> Some of you say, he must have seen who I was with. <laughs> and I've learned over time that a lot of the pain that I experienced in life wasn't because of what someone else did. It was because of what I did. I caused myself my pain. Well, but, but they said this. I put myself in their presence. I had a conversation with a knucklehead. If you talk to stupid, stupid's coming out. I didn't say a stupid person if you talk to stupid. Now, it wasn't a person. That's a comment. Maybe. We cannot change other people's treatment of us and how we might have responded to them. We can't change that moment. We can't change the people, but we can change from the moment it happened moving forward. Paul said, I'm forgetting what lies behind. I'm not living my life every day entertaining the mistakes of my past, the pains of my past. Some people feed their pain every day. Every day. They feed their pain. 
We all have losses. I miss my dad. miss my mom, but I really miss my dad. And every time I think about it or talk about it, it brings a little pain. It's not that I don't want to talk about it or remember him, but when I do remember him, if I spent too much time meditating on the loss of my dad, I would live in constant pain. You don't want to live in constant pain. So you have to adjust how you think to avoid the pain that you're experiencing. But again, we go back to editing our lives like we do a a portrait, a photo, and we begin editing the outside to give the appearance that we want to give instead of addressing the pain that we're experiencing. Now, there are ways today that, you know, most facelifts make people look like the joker. Have you ever noticed that? You don't even have to ask them if they got a facelift. They didn't look like the joker five years ago. I mean, just go look at some people. I mean, if I was Jerry Jones, I would sue whoever did that facelift. Sorry, Jerry. I know you're not supposed to use names, but I just couldn't help myself. I'm just saying, you look and you go, you look better before with your wrinkles. I mean, a Sharpay wouldn't be a Sharpay if it didn't have wrinkles. That's what makes them cute. (laughs) I'm not suggesting you were cute before, but anyway. And if I'm causing you pain, it's just addressing an ego. So, (laughs) I am so politically incorrect. No joke. Okay. I will continue in that vein just because I just believe sometimes we just walk around telling people what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. You say, well, that's just not not precious. All you got to do is read Matthew 23. Jesus wasn't polite at all. When you call somebody, I've never called anybody a brood of vipers, and yet my Savior did. You whitewashed sepulchers. All Jesus was saying is you need to experience a moment of pain to have a life of blessing. It was painful when I found out I was a sinner. I didn't know it when I was six. Didn't know it when I was ten. Now, some of y'all did. How many of you know kids really can't comprehend fully the nature of sin? Now, they can get born again. I believe that when they're young. I believe that. However, over time, it has to be reinforced to understand the pain that Christ suffered for the pain that we're currently experiencing. But when I realized in a moment that I was separated from God and that without Christ I would certainly be separated forever and not just separated but I would be in hell void of light, void of life. That was a pain. And a lot of people don't want to face that point of I'm a sinner And I need Jesus because that requires us to submit and change. And I remember it was just a moment when I went from not being a Christian to being a Christian where I experienced the pain of knowing I had denied Christ and not lived a a life that in any effort, any way to honor Him. That's painful. 
And that's why many people don't come to Jesus, because we have to face the reality of a life separated from Him for however long we lived without Him. I had an uncle that was a major in the Air Force, a brilliant man. My mother would witness to him all the time when they would get together. He would get so mad. And finally, in his late 50s or early 60s, he gave his life to Jesus. And I watched him he, because I was a theology student. He always wanted to talk to me. He was so hungry for God. And he had this major regret that he lived most of his life separated from Jesus. So the rest of his life, he threw himself into the Bible. In serving God, in loving Jesus, in telling others, he became a witness for God. But there was great pain in realizing he had lived over two-thirds of his life separated from God. The peace, the joy. You see, sometimes pain puts us in a position to make decisions and changes that are glorious and wonderful. So if you're in pain right now, ask yourself the one question, God, what is it that I am going to get out of this pain? Christ learned obedience through the things he suffered. So we know in Christ's greatest pain, he was experiencing the challenge to obey the Father. And he did perfectly. But he suffered he had great pain in the garden praying, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. A painful moment. But it says, with the joy set before him, he endured the pain. So he said, what am I going to do with this pain? I'm going to keep the joy before me, knowing that this decision I'm making is going to change the past, the present, and the future if I'll just go through the pain. So you say, how do I get through it? Set the joy of God before you. The joy of knowing that your obedience, if everybody else abandoned you and they abandoned God, you and God are the majority in your life. You are the deciding vote. The devil has voted against you. God has voted for you. And your decision makes it a majority. Too many people in agreement with the devil. I'm worthless. I don't amount to anything. I'm no good. How could God possibly love somebody like me? That's the devil's camp. That's the devil's language. That's the devil's conversation. And you get to vote every day. You get to vote. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm the apple of his eye. I'm not an accident. Before I ever drew a breath, God had a plan for my life. Now, all of a sudden, you start shifting out of that pain into a confidence and a peace and a comfort, knowing you are not an accident. You are a gift from heaven given by God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for empowering us, strengthening us in our weakness. That whatever pain we are currently experiencing is not going to be wasted. We're going to press like Paul did. We're going to forget like Paul did. We're going to keep moving forward like Paul did. 
in the midst of suffering, we're going to be like Christ. We're going to learn obedience. We're going to set joy before us. Lord, we thank you today that you've given us a model in your word, numerous models of people that went through pain and and they went through it. They didn't stop in it. They went through it. So, Lord, we commit to you to trust you with the pain that we now experience. We trust you with our pain. We look to you. We lean on you. We refuse to abandon you as Job told his wife, though he slay me, yet will I serve him. I'm not quitting, not giving up. COVID's not going to stop me from coming to the house of God. I'm pressing God, pressing. With every head bowed, every eye closed, please. There may be those of you watching today, and you're at that place I was when I was at the apex of my pain not knowing why I was put on earth and why I was born into the community I was born into, the family I was born into, and all that was going on in me was in turmoil. I realized when I heard a message that the only way I could ever be saved would be through accepting Jesus. But in that moment of darkness in my life, it wasn't me accepting Him that I was concerned about. It was him accepting me. And when I realized he accepted me and that the ball was now in my court to get over the pain of how I was living, I needed to turn to him. He had already turned to me. He's already turned to you. Now you have to turn to him. If you want to be free of the soul pain, the separation between uh, that, that chasm between you and God that seems that you will never be able to cross, it's one prayer that you cross from death to life it's not tomorrow next month being good for a decade it's about being honest for a moment and saying God I need you so I want all of us to pray this prayer and those of you watching online pray this with me say Father God I am so grateful that you sent your only son to suffer and die for me for my sin Jesus thank you for giving your life for me today I give my life to you I repent of my sin, and I declare today, boldly, I am forgiven, I am a Christian, and when I die, I'm going to heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and give Jesus a hand. I'm telling you, it's a wonderful thing to know that he paid the price for every individual life. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you to do something right now. Text the word SAVED to 405-500-1310. Put your name, SAVED, put SAVED, and then your name, and whatever else you want to put beside it. But celebrate today, because the pressure is off of you. You've given it to God. You can't save yourself. He did the work for you to be saved, and today you accepted that work. So please text the word SAVED in your name to 405-500-1310. God bless you. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. or join us online. God bless you.